Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Come on, y'all. It's podcast time. Oh, I see what you did there. Nice. Uh, and uh, welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys by the fans. That is us. As not gonna lie, always, I did screw that up. That was not intended, but I kind of like it. Yeah, you totally screwed it up, but I thought you, you definitely did it on purpose. No, <laughs> nope. <laughs> you said it's podcast time, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> You also screwed up the part where it said, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. I'm pretty sure it's get on up, it's bobsled time. You are probably right. I didn't look it up. I went off memory tonight. Mm. Well, lesson learned, and don't do that again. All right. Anyway, that tangent took like eight seconds. That's outstanding. As always, intro and outro music provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over at OceansOverAirplanes.com. And Paul, yeah. really quick, I'm going to flip things around re- re- really quickly on us. I'm just going to throw, no, 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 no. I'm just going to throw our Twitter information out there earlier as opposed to later. That seems to make sense, right? Yeah. So, Justin here, you can catch me on Twitter at so says J. Paul. At Dervish of Whirl. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. All right. So. We have real basketball. We have real-life basketball with, well, they're basketball players in NBA stadiums playing basketball with NBA basketballs signed by Adam Silver. We this have is basketball. True. We have count. basketball. Right, but it's basketball. It is basketball, yes. So, in light of that, it's probably quite obvious, but this week we will be discussing the first impressions of the Suns' first two preseason games. The first one being against the Sacramento Kings and the second one being against the mighty New Zealand Breakers. We'll discuss who looks good, who doesn't look good. Right? I I prefer doesn't look good. That's more optimistic sounding to me. So we'll discuss who looks good and who doesn't look good. We'll also discuss the fact that, well, right now the Suns have 18 players on the roster and we can assume, I think... That Darrell Arthur, who's not even with the team, is going to be gone. And we know George King is on a two-way deal. So that leaves at least one person who's going to be the odd man out. We will discuss who we believe that will be during this episode. And last but not least, we will be discussing the new exciting deal that the Phoenix Suns have with PayPal. Yeah. I probably talked that up a little too much because I don't know that. Well, you, I, I think you think it's exciting, but I think it's interesting. I never said it's exciting. Well, you know what, Paul? Shut up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Podcast over. 
podcast <laughs> over. All right, so let's let's get to the first two preseason games that the Suns have played so far. All right, do we want to start with good one, stuff or the bad stuff? Well, let's just let's just throw it out. We'll, we'll kind of mix it all in. First first game right. was a one hundred six to one hundred two loss to the Sacramento Kings. The second game was a very totally comfortable ninety one to eighty six win over the New Zealand Breakers, who are from the NBL, I believe. I believe that's the name of the league. The National Basketball League, I think, is what it is. Okay. I could have I could have looked that up before we started, but I did not. So we can again start with the good if you want, start with the bad if you want, mix it all in. I don't care, start Paul. But if you game. want if you want first word, you can have first word. Um well don't to, hesitate. To be, I'll steal to be this. To completely honest, I wasn't able to really to watch the first game because even though it was supposedly streamed on suns.com and I am in the Phoenix area, you would think I I, one would think that I would be in the area allowed to stream the game, but unfortunately that was not true. I could, it just kept sending me to a uh, link to buy League Pass. So I was only you, able to follow totally it Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Did you did you go to phoenixsuns.com or just suns.com? That works as yes, well. Yes, I did. And, and then I clicked the, on the, 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 the thing. The thing didn't just pop up right there nope. on your screen? No, sir. I feel like you did something wrong. I feel like I did not. Although I will admit that the first few times I tried to watch it, it said that I was out of the area and it was blacked out, which didn't make sense. But yeah. anyway, we're I, getting into my new show that doesn't that matter. Said, watch now. Hmm. And you know what? And it took me to leak pass. Um, Robert Sarver, if you listen to this podcast, which I totally bet you do, fix that next time because Paul was very inconvenienced. So even Very. though Paul didn't, even though Paul didn't watch the game, he's going to have first word here on what he thought about said game. Well, I did watch highlights. I did follow along on Twitter. Did follow along on the GameCast. I thought first impression. Obviously, I think it was everybody's first impression. Is I feel like uh, DeAndre Ayton showed out. He um, clearly played clearly better than Marvin Bagley. So we're we're good there. And I thought he both on offense and defense. I thought he showed a lot um, in um, how he um, worked within the system, the spacing that was allowed to him in Igor's system, and then also on the defensive side. I think he had what, four blocks, three blocks, three blocks. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Three blocks. So I mean, plus I think nine rebounds. Nine rebounds. Nine rebounds. Three blocks. That's a pretty solid defensive effort, and just his movement, um, getting out to the um, shooters as well as uh, maintaining in the paint. I thought he did a pretty decent job, particularly learning a new system, being in arguably a new-ish position compared to what he played at U of A. Um, So I think it was, um, all in all, a nice showing for him. Absolutely, and I think Suns Nation would be in agreement with that, and uh, you know, as we tend to do on this podcast, on the podcast of optimism, I'm going to jump off script because I just told you to talk about one game, and I'm sorry. I just need to. I, I need to talk about DeAndre Ayton. I mean, you know right. this. I can't. I can't <laughs> not talk about DeAndre Ayton. I know you led with him. You mentioned are, are, are some you gonna, of his stats in that game. Are you going to become? 
Are you about to yes. become Whatever you're the ask Chris right Hansen now, the... of DeAndre Ayton? <laughs> like if you I, say, I, you know, if I you do con- a high school analogy of Chris Hansen is to Devin Booker as Justin is to DeAndre Ayton, is that going to be a true analogy now in this you, next season? Now, now that you put that idea in my head, it very I, mean, I feel like it kind of has to be. I I, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see how things develop, but that is a fantastic idea. And I will say, though, that I don't think not only myself, but anybody could ever rise to the level of of Chris Hansen's love for Devin Booker. There there can never be a, a love matched to that extent. That's my personal opinion. So the anyway, dedication is I, truly astounding. I, I will do my best starting right now to to try to refute my own point. So, like you said, DeAndre Aiden showed out, man. He looked he looked good. He looked great. He looked like what I think people would were hoping he could look like in a year or two. Like you said, everyone talked about his quote unquote defensive deficiencies coming into the draft. He so far is proving folks wrong in that regard, showing them that those deficiencies are either not deficiencies at all, they don't exist, or alternatively, in the very least, they were far overblown. Now, I'll say that obviously with a grain of salt because it is preseason. And, and one of the games was, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, t- I'm covering both, Paul. It was the Kings, and it, one of the games was against the, as mighty as they may be, the New Zealand Breakers. But the bottom line is he still... I think showed out to be the best player on the court in both of those games. I agree for, for a 19 year old kid making his first two starts in the, at the NBA level or in NBA games or in at least, you know, as close to real as you can get without actually being real NBA games, if that makes sense. Cause obviously played in the summer league, he exceeded even my own expectations. I mean, just looking at his stat line, so against the Kings, like you said, he had nine points, um, three blocks. Excuse me, nine Nine rebounds rebounds. and three blocks. He also had 24 points, an assist, a steal, shot nine for 16 from the field, six for eight from the free throw line, and only had two fouls. Against the Breakers, no turnovers. Don't forget, no turnovers. No turnovers. Uh, Against the Breakers, I say he wasn't as impressive, but I think the team as a whole just looked kind of flat that game. We discussed this before we started recording. Perhaps it had to do with going through rigorous practice with training camp and continuing that as as they go through the preseason. Perhaps that had something to do with the fact that, not to denigrate the New Zealand Breakers, but they were playing mighty against a, New a the mighty New Zealand Breakers. They were playing against Sean a, Marion's New Zealand Breakers. Right, Sean. Absolutely, Sean Marion, Barstool Sports. Uh, Matt Walsh. I mean, geez, the the list the list grows. Uh, but they're they're an NBL team. You know, it's not an NBA team. Uh, and perhaps the Suns just didn't get up like they normally would. I mean, that's what I'm going to tell myself at least. But nonetheless, in that game, even though again not as impressive as his game against the Kings, in my opinion, Aiton went for 21 points, 15 rebounds, three assists, three blocks, shot nine for 13 from the field. Uh, three for four from the line, and again only had two fouls. Uh, you know, and again, right no now, turnovers. <laughs> no turnovers. 
right now he is you know between those two games averaging 22 and a half points and 12 rebounds if if we got anything close to that during the regular season i think we'd be doing backflips um one thing i noticed with him in in terms of his defense obviously he's he's showing the ability to get those blocks that we all kind of anticipate he'd be able to get like you mentioned i think he's shown a lot more basketball iq and basketball ability on the defensive end than people were expecting to see out of him which obviously is fantastic but the one thing that really stuck out to me is how well he manages to alter shots if not block them but alter them by getting vertical using right, his yeah. height using his long arms and it's something that seems like it would be very easy to do but you see so many guys that you know break that break that vertical plane are coming down and ultimately that means you're going to get whistled for a foul there are more than a handful of times where i think ayton was contesting shots and he just went straight up and it resulted in a missed shot that's the kind of thing that you need out of a center like that i mean that's the kind of thing that we had hoped for the past four years that alex len could potentially end up doing at least to some extent and he didn't do it to well really any extent at all uh and and coach kakoshkov was complimentary about what Aiton's been doing so far on the defensive end and what he sees his role being on that defensive end. You know, he basically said, perhaps not in the exact same words, that he anticipates Aiton being kind of the centerpiece of the defense. He's in charge of the communications, letting the guards, uh, you know, that are that are playing in front of him know whether to go whether to go over or under picks uh when the picks are coming what side they're coming on all that kind of stuff and and for all intents and purposes from what i've heard he's been very vocal on the defensive end which again very important and perhaps that's some of the tyson chandler you know tutelage starting to kick in already at this early point in the season and uh you know the last thing that i'll say about ayton at least for right now is the chemistry that he seems to already have with josh jackson yeah, that was a highlight. Right. Between both of those games, there were, uh, I want to say, at least two to three per game, two to three instances when Aiton's rolling into the basket, Jackson sees him, throws him an oop. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 great to see on, on a number of different levels because, well, Aiton's getting to the, to the spot he needs to be in that offense to score, and Jackson is showing some of that playmaking ability that we all anticipated seeing last year and we saw flashes of. Right. Uh, and, and it gives me flashbacks to um, after we signed Tyson Chandler. Fla- flashbacks in the positive of this is what we hoped for when we signed Tyson Chandler and then watched Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight and whoever else fail to throw a lob to Tyson Chandler. Ever. And now we're watching ever. <laughs> And now we're watching Josh Jackson, who's not the point guard, throwing like pinpoint lobs to Aiden. And then we're going to get Booker back, who was the only guy who could throw a lob to Tyson Chandler, now throwing him to a guy who's much more athletic, much more adept at scoring. And it's, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a, f- uh, a fun to watch. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's funny you use the phrase – pinpoint lobs i would say that some of them perhaps weren't as pinpoint maybe not just jackson's but other ones that ayton's received so far in these two games but you know what it doesn't freaking matter with that guy 
he's got soft hands. He's got long arms. If you put it anywhere within the general vicinity of where he is, he's going up and getting it. And, you know, an example of that pops into my head from the game last night against the Breakers. Again, against the Breakers. But there, there was a missed shot, and Aiton goes up between four defenders, no other son anywhere near him, and just snatches the ball away and grabs the offensive rebound. That that type of length is, and and the ability to use that length is something the Suns have clearly been missing for a very long time. Well, it, it's it's honestly, I think it's something the league to an extent has been missing. There's just been, I mean, you started to see the center position come back a little bit, like with like truly athletic centers in the last couple of years. I'm probably starting with Anthony Davis. I think he's like really the first one that I remember where it's like, oh, that's what a center could be. And then like you've got Joel Joel Embiid um, coming in, Carl Anthony Towns. But it, none of those guys, I feel, have the um, – I guess I'd call it offensive verticality that um, Aiton really possesses. Like, you know, he gets up there and he makes those like truly athletic dunks, kind of very reminiscent of back – like the Amari Stoudemire days of just like he would just fly through the lane and like put it down. Yeah, and and that's that's a really good point, Paul. The the fact that that center position is kind of missing in the league, and and you know I think it's still going to be a rarity because that's just kind of how the the league is trending at this point. But when you talk about guys like Anthony Davis, like Joel Embiid, even like Carl Anthony Towns. Aiton's built similarly, if not more broadly and bigger than them. Mm-hmm. But in my estimation, far exceeds any of the athletic levels that they can reach, which is what makes Aiton so intriguing. I mean, there were a few instances in, in the past two games where Aiton used the rim to protect himself, went up and under to get you know, for a for a reverse layup move that you see a wing do a point guard do but you don't see a lot of bigs doing it but it i mean why not it's 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 a great move he gets he gets the bucket and he avoids the potential of it getting blocked it's that type of athleticism and perhaps bigs don't generally do that because they don't have the fluidity don't have the athleticism that Aiton does but he's able to do it he's able to pull off moves that smaller players would typically be the ones doing and i think really that you know i i would say that in that regard davis and cat are the two closest comparisons not to say that he's going to end up being them because i think he's going to be far better than both of them <laughs> boom there it is there's my first well, I, move. I, I would say that um Aiton, or not Aiton, and is would also would be in that conversation as well because Embiid also is very um very skilled has a lot of that i just i don't know Maybe I need to watch more Embiid, but I feel like there's just a level of fluidity that even he doesn't have that um, uh, Aiton does. Like when you see Mm -hmm. Aiton run down the court, if you don't have um, other players, other smaller players near him to kind of really show um, how much bigger he is. So there was a there was a picture. I don't know if you. I think I sent it to you. I'm. It was from Media Day. It was of Aiton, Jackson, and Booker. And, like, my first thought when I first looked at it was, like, it almost looked Photoshopped. And I mean that from the standpoint of 
like and badly photoshopped in that you had these three guys standing next to each other and the proportions just didn't seem right. And then I re- looked at it again and I realized that's just because the way Aiden is built, he's in proportion for his size. A lot of times when you see these taller guys, they're, you could, they, they look taller because their limbs and arms are longer than like say their torso or whatever. Whereas Aiden is just bigger. Right. In, and, but in everything is kind of in the same proportions as if he were a guard. And that was just kind of something that really stood out to me. Sure. And, you know, that I'm sure is at least part of the reason why he's able to move so fluidly on the court. And, and you know, ultimately, you brought up a good point earlier, too, that Aiton's playing in a spot right now where he has a lot more space than what he's been used to when he was at U of A. Uh, he he has a lot more room to maneuver, has a lot more options to look at, and and I think that's part of why he's shown out so well these first two games because he's not congested. There's no congestion around him. He he has the area to do what he wants to do, and he's been doing a great job sealing guys out, getting the post ups, and and I feel like the entry passes have at least been better than they looked in summer league. So we've got that going for us. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think those have. Looks a little bit better because you definitely have, in some uh, positions, you have better players in those positions. Um, I'd like to be th- who I, actually I, have skill at doing an entry pass compared to some of the guys who were in summer league. Well, I will say in summer league, one of the people I had a huge problem with was Shaq Harrison. Um, this is true. I, I've seen a couple Frankly, of didn't have many assists. Couple of yeah, couple of dicey ones so far uh, there in preseason, but he, he's he's managed to accomplish uh, the goal at least a few times. So, all right. Anything else on DeAndre Ayton, my friend? I don't think so. I'll, I'll talk about him plenty more. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, we will. <laughs> so let, let's move on then. Again, we're two games in. It is what it is. It's summer league. One game was against the mighty New Zealand breakers. But regardless, that doesn't mean it's too early for us as Suns fans to judge people. And not your you know, not your not your colleagues, not your friends, but but the Suns players. So Paul, so far, who has not looked good to you? Who are you concerned about? Is there anyone you're, you're sitting there going, "Oh Jesus, this is this is not what I expected." Um, obviously, probably the biggest one is uh, Dragon Bender, but to an extent, you know, everybody's had concerns about him for so long, so it's honestly to an extent not surprising, but it's not what we hoped for at all. It's the exact opposite of that it almost seems like he's regressed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a function of he's not he's one of those guys who needs consistent minutes to like really get into a flow and because of the way preseason is structured and whatnot and because they're trying and Igor's trying to figure out what who he wants in his roster and when the, the his minutes have fluctuated because I mean he didn't even play in the second game till I think the fourth quarter. So, I mean, that's really hard to go from, okay, I warmed up at the beginning of the game to I'm sitting around for an hour and a half before I even get to play to get in there and then, like, actually be positively productive. Right. But, I mean, he has, he's, like, what, got, like, zero stats, essentially? Oh, he has stats. <laughs> he has, essentially, <laughs> zero positive stats. 
Right. He's two for two from the free throw line. Well, because I mean, like the in that game against the Breakers, the Suns had that game in hand until Bender came in. They were up like almost twenty, and then he came in, and then they proceeded to give back eleven points and not and not, make it an ex right close game. And I was going to say, not coincidentally, he has the worst plus minus on the team in that game. Well, he's tied with Jackson, actually. Uh, yeah, I think Dragon Bender is, in fact, obviously the the most clear concern. Maybe not the most clear concern, but the the guy who has shown the least, I think. And that's not to say that other guys have shown a lot, but that's just, I think, more indicative of how little Bender has shown. Like you said, he has basically zero stats. He is a combined. Zero for seven from the field, a combined zero for five from the three point line, a combined two Does for he two. Have a rebound? Two for two for the from the free throw line. So we've got that going for us. He has a total of two rebounds, uh, yay, two assists, and uh, he has managed, however, to uh, squeeze six fouls out of you know that that limited uh, <laughs> showing he's had. So, I would I, I would agree that he's the most obvious guy who has not performed uh, for the Suns so far this uh, preseason. But so I don't just harp on the same point you made. Uh, I, I'm going to say the guy that I I will say 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 say. The guy who has not performed this preseason where I would hope that he would perform has been Mikhail Bridges. And this is by no means an indictment on him. He's a rookie playing his first two games. Not everybody can come out and be godlike like DeAndre Ayton. But Bridges coming into into the league, coming into the draft, 3 and D guy, he is... Played for three or four years? In four, four years in college. He's 0 for 5 from three-point range. He is um, 1 for 8 from the field. Uh, and, you know, he's he, he played 19 minutes in the Breakers game. And again, the Breakers, not an NBA team, uh, and, and didn't show well there. He played 12 during the Kings game. Again, obviously didn't show well there. Uh, but I'll, I'll chalk that up more to he's still getting he's his still feet ready. wet. You know, he's again, right. He's I mean, not, he a, he's not a guy you so expect to come out. Summer league either. Right. Yeah. I, if I recall correctly, his first game was was somewhat solid. And then after that, there wasn't a whole lot out of him. But rookie first two preseason games, I'm not jumping to conclusions. I'm just saying if I had to pick somebody besides Bender who I would hope to see perform better through these first two games, it would be him. And and I'm not saying I would expect him to get, you know, 15 points and three steals and seven rebounds, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying I'd rather not see the 0 for 5 from three-point range for a guy who's coming in as a 3 and D player. Right. I The other thing that has, um, has an initial slight cause for concern is right now just the lack of three-point shooting the attempts are there but actually making the shots has definitely been underwhelming to say the least particularly when you've brought in like two of your biggest acquisitions were brought in specifically for their shooting and mikhail bridges uh, 
falls into that as well. So uh, the concern really from that standpoint is like if the three point shooting right now, the players are, those guys are still considered threats. So that's what is helping to open up things for, for uh, Aiden. But if they continue to not hit, then teams are going to sag off and then that's going to clog up the lane for Aiden to work the way he has been these last couple of games. So, um, I think it's going to come around. I think a lot of it just has to do with the motion offense and Igor's system. There's a lot of nuance and intricacies to it that when you're in the learning phase, the actual hitting of the shots is hard because you're thinking too much. You're not just in your rhythm. You're not just reacting off instinct. So I, I want, I'm hoping that's a lot of what it is, but right now it is something that I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think all Suns fans should be. They're a combined 10-4-53 from three-point range through Ooh. two games. Yeah, that is that is not pleasant at all. Uh, it, I'm no mathematician, but that's less than 20%. I am a mathematician, and you're right. Sweet. And to your point about the acquisitions, to be fair— during the Breakers game, Trevor Ariza did hit three of five three-pointers. He missed both of the ones he took in the Kings game. But he's 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 a guy that's a known threat from out there. There's, like you said, really no reason to be concerned about that. It's probably more indicative of them learning this offense, <coughs> excuse me, trying to get used to it, etc. cetera. Uh, Ryan Anderson, however, has not hit a three yet i take that back he hit one in the breakers game so he's one for six but once again a guy that's a known threat and presumably he hasn't forgotten how to shoot nor has ariza and those guys will be just fine and you know ultimately if if anderson slips off then maybe bender gets his shot maybe bender gets to get more flow like you were talking about earlier maybe he starts to come, come into his own i mean or we start seeing a reason more at the four and Warren or Jackson will get more minutes with the starters. Cause I mean, you get you we're we're seeing actual Suns games, but you got to remember these are actual Suns games without the team's best player. Right. Oh, absolutely. Who is a three point shooter. So that'll help a lot. Yeah, no, 100%. So, all right. Now that we've covered the, what hasn't looked so good, Paul, is there any player besides DeAndre Ayton, of course, who stands out to you as a guy who so far through these very significant two preseason games <laughs> has has impressed you, has shown out? Um, Jackson, I really, I was really impressed by what Jackson put together that first game. And he showed a couple good things the second game, but he also showed some not great things. So he's definitely a player that I mean, obviously he's hopefully the third of our big threes. Um, so everybody's kind of paying attention to him and keeping their eye on kind of what he's becoming. But he's definitely starting to show some things that I'm, I'm liking. And if he can just get some consistency, I'll be really happy to see that. I think that's really the biggest thing for me is consistency with him right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his first game was very impressive. 17 points, six assists, five rebounds. He he had three turnovers, but you know if he's going to throw six assists, I'll 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 deal with three turnovers. Uh, shot yeah, seven, seven for one twelve. Turnover ratio is not bad. Yeah, you're not gonna not gonna complain about that from your from a guy that's playing the three for you primarily. 
Right. Um, and the second game, and, and you, you made this reference before we started recording, it was like you, you got good Jackson, you got bad Jackson, kind of like last year. First half of the season, bad Jackson. Second half of the season, good Jackson. We got it back-to-back in two games here. Uh, second game, you know, he only scored 11 points. He fouled out, had seven turnovers. He still managed nine rebounds uh, and also shot just 5-14 from the floor, one for five from three-point range. I, I'm going to say that I expect that we're going to see a lot more of the good Jackson this year. You know, we talked about his poor performance in summer league and it just being a matter of him trying to do too much. Uh, perhaps that's what happened in the Breakers game, and and ultimately, if if he ever you know resorts back to or has a tendency to resort back to the guy that's trying to do too much, having Devin Booker back in the lineup with him, I think, is going to you know help alleviate that issue. Right. Yeah. That'll definitely. I think that'll definitely help once we can like fully institute the hierarchy on the team, because right now he's definitely kind of filling in a little bit more of that role. And not that he can't do it, not that he couldn't take over in that spot if the team was built around him. But right now, I think he would fit best as a third option. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And and I think that's what the system is going to be made up to be, is, is he's going to be at best a third option, which, again, makes total sense considering you've got Booker, and you've got Aiton, and and clearly he's right. not going to step in front of Aiton as being an option just because of the different skill sets they have, and Booker is Booker. So yeah. no one step in front of him. Uh, my guy, who guy. has been impressed, impressive to me so far this preseason, and this is kind of funny because this is the guy who gets spoken about the most, I think, when it comes to you know potential trade options and who the Suns would at least in our estimation, you and mine, Paul, we would prefer to see moved, I think. Uh, and that's TJ Warren, Tony Buckets. Oh, yeah? You know, he, he we know he can shoot, uh, you know, not from three-point range, though. Uh, but but his mid-range game, his knack for scoring buckets is, is second to none on the team, really. Uh, that first mm-hmm. game, I felt like everything that he shot, and this was basically true because he was six for seven, but... Everything he put up for mid-range was, was – there was no doubt it was going in. Uh, he scored 16 points in the game, had four rebounds. Uh, the kind of game you expect out of, you know, Tony uh, Tony Warren. <laughs> I'm going to call, start calling him Tony now. I'm just going to call him Tony. Forget TJ. Um, second game, uh, you know, he, shooting-wise, he wasn't as, as active. He only took five shots, but he got to the line 12 times, made nine of those free throws. So, you know, if we're going to see two different sides of, of TJ Warren – one being the guy who we are used to seeing that hits the mid-range shot. Uh, God damn it, if that guy could just shoot a three, right? Yeah. Man. Right. Um, but if if the other option is, you know, he's he's not taking as many shots because he's getting fouled and getting in the line, then then so be it. But he's he's impressed me so far. And, and maybe impressed isn't the right word, but he's performed so far. Uh, and And if he did anything less than this, I wouldn't be concerned if he did anything more than this. I'd be surprised. So it's kind of what I would expect of TJ Warren. But again, with the question being who's shown out, who's 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 impressed you, who's performed this this preseason, I, you know, he's he's the guy I look at because you know, outside of Aiton, uh, in my estimation, at least there haven't been a whole lot of bright spots just yet. 
Right. And again, learning a new system, new coach, you've got new players that you're implementing as well. It's it's a difficult process. It's going to take a while, so I'm not concerned. But, you know, Warren's clearly picking up and, and fitting into that system quite, quite well. So I don't know why this re- – actually, I do – I don't know why this reminded me of it, but um, there was a clip that was going around uh, Twitter. I think it was, I think I saw it today. It was of Carmelo Anthony in the um, Rockets game, I think from last night or the night before. And he did the classic at the three-point line, pump fake, takes a dribble step in and then takes like a long mid-range shot. And he made it. But then as he's running back to the other side, he's like, my bad to the bench. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, why did I take that? <laughs> why did I take that step in? Yeah, and that's just talking about uh, TJ and like just his mid-range game and whatnot. And that just got me thinking about that and just how the mid-range game is just kind of this piece of the NBA offense that is attempting to become extinct or like endangered it's, it's becoming, i don't think it'll ever go away it's become a lost art about that yeah it'll be it's definitely not the focus of anybody's offensive system but if you have somebody who has who actually is an excel at it it is it could be a um uh, what i'm blanking on the term right now but the um a market inefficiency. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, you know, and and the fact that I find TJ Warren as being the player that has, you know, performed uh, to expectations here during the preseason doesn't mean that I'm still not on board to move him if it gets the right piece back. Just the more just he in performs case, the- just in case there's any any confusion there. The more he performs, the better leverage he is. There you go. There you go. All right. So what do we have next? All right. As I mentioned when we first started here, 18 guys on the roster right now. We're assuming Darrell Arthur is gone and George King is on a two-way. That leaves us with 16. And Paul, what is the max number of players that can be on an NBA roster? 15. 15. So that, let's see, doing the math, that means there's one guy that needs to go. Minimum, but and I think because we're also looking at, I feel like the last couple of years, I don't think the Suns have always held a full roster. I think they might have liked to keep at least one spot open for you know emergency signing because somebody got injured or whatnot. So I wouldn't be surprised if possibly two guys get bounced. Well, Paul, let's keep things simple, shall we? <laughs> let's work nah. under. Let's work under the assumption. That they have 15 guys on the roster. Their target is 15 guys on the roster come opening night. Okay. Who is that one, that lonely number, who is no longer on the Phoenix Suns? Well, I mean, strictly based off of what I've seen so far and contract status and whatnot, I would probably put odds on Isaiah Cannon. Just because he's, I think, the only one on the team who's not on a guaranteed contract of some type. I mean, obviously, Darrell Arthur is going to be bought out. George King can go down to the to um, the Naz Suns and be fine. Um, and be called up as necessary. Shaq Harrison, um, though he's only got like a 
thousand uh, dollar guarantee on his deal, so that's essentially nothing. He has been the guy who's started these last two games, so that um, put leads me to believe that he's doing so, enough right to secure himself a position on, on the team, at or they would be starting somebody else, and that that's reason one, reason two, and reason three is. I mean, Cannon's still coming back from that injury. I mean, he's been participating in training camp and whatnot, but he hasn't played in one of these games yet because I don't think he's technically game ready yet. So if you're coming down to it and he hasn't even gotten on the court in like an actual game, by the time it's time to make cuts, it just seems like that's enough strikes against him that that's just the move they got to make especially being that he's not guaranteed. So they'd have to sign him to a deal and cut somebody who is guaranteed. Yeah. And, and, uh, Cannon is out technically, at least according to ESPN because of right thumb injury. So it's not, it's not the leg thing. Okay. Uh, but nonetheless, okay. your, your point is still well taken. And, you know, I, I was contemplating this and, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I'm, I, I have to agree with you. I don't like to agree with you and not just because I don't like to agree with you in general, but just because I think makes sense. I think, <laughs> I think Isaiah, Isaiah Cannon, I think it's Canaan. They were pronouncing it Canaan in the game last night. So it's but, like, 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 like Chrissy Tigan. Sure. Let's go with that. I always thought it was Tegan. It's clearly not. A... Everybody thought it was Tegan because she just wouldn't correct people. Cause apparently that's a Filipino thing. Oh, I feel like that's mispronounce it forever. <laughs> I can, I can, I can confirm that that is the case. Um, but I, I think, I think Isaiah Cannon is. It's hard. It's weird to say. I'm just gonna call him Cannon. I think Cannon is is a better player than some of the guys on the roster right now. But I think it comes down to what you brought up, and that is the contract status. I mean, if I looked at it from who are the two guys that I think can, you know, bring more to the team between Isaiah? Who is the guy, excuse me, who is the guy who can bring more to the team between, let's say, Isaiah Cannon and Davon Reed? Right now, I would say it's yeah. Isaiah Cannon. But I agree with that. Davon Reed has a, you know, a fully guaranteed contract. Uh, and is Isaiah Cannon going to make the team that much better? Probably not. Uh, and and I I had said that I would see I could see Isaiah Cannon starting because he showed well during the season last year in the games that he played before he had that injury, but I think it's ultimately going to come down to a dollars and cents thing. And you start looking at your return on your investment. If you can get rid of Cannon and not lose any money, or you get rid of Reed and lose a few million bucks, how much better is your team going to be? Uh, you know, for you spending that 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 you know few million dollars of of reads guaranteed contract and that kind of speaks into the narrative of robert sarver being cheap but i think probably most nba teams would probably make a decision based on that especially if they're anywhere situated like the suns are where one guy in your roster is not going to make a difference especially one guy that's farther down the line that's what i should say one guy that's not you know devin booker or deandre eaton or josh jackson or tj warren right i mean I could see being that um, the position and the uh, number of years in service that Reed has that the Suns look to convert him to the other two-way contract, which then basically allows them to sign Cannon without 
having to technically lose any of their players. So I don't I don't know the specifics of that and like if that's even technically possible without cutting him then re-signing him because when you cut him you have there's a risk that you know somebody else picks him up on a guaranteed deal and then you lost a guy that you might actually want as part of your team possibly on a go forward basis you're just like not ready now for him right well and and I think the the fact that this discussion is is even had just underscores the fact that the Suns ideally would make a trade where the the trade helps resolve this this like a two for one kind of thing yeah exactly and you know until until Jimmy Butler is officially traded I'm not losing hope on the Suns getting involved in a trade uh, that that involves him as the third team to land a point guard and I think Mm -hmm. you know the what we've seen so far in preseason has just further exemplified the fact that they do in fact need a point guard when you're running one to one turnover to assist ratio. And obviously that's not all on the point guard position, but a good point guard I think can help alleviate the turnover uh, issues not only at that position, but in regard to having a guy like Josh Jackson have to handle the ball more often and make passes more often. Right. I mean, when you're looking at your your point guard rotation of, well, I think three point guards essentially because, as, as you said, Cannon hasn't played yet, and you have a total of eight assists between – between all of them over the course of two games, that's not good. That's yeah, yeah, not good. I think is a very, very apt description for that. Not good at all, especially when your center has what five assists through those two games. Yeah, <laughs> good oh. thing. Th- thanks all three of you for having three more assists than our center. Right, and how how many turnovers? Zero. For those... Oh, but you're talking about many... the point guards. Yeah, I don't know. They have seven, eight. If they're a one to one, we'll we'll we'll, pretty, we'll, we'll yeah. call it seven or eight. Yeah, that's probably a safe guess. No, it's more. <laughs> as I'm as I'm glancing, it is more. It's ten, eleven. Looks like eleven. We'll call it. We'll call it in that Oof. ballpark. Ten to ten Oof. to ten to twelve. So yeah, that's not a good assist turnover ratio. Not ideal for that for the guys who are supposed to be the ones getting the assists and not committing the turnovers. Exactly, exactly. No, it's definitely, definitely not. So, all right. Anything else on the who is not or what is going wrong or what is going right topic, my friend? No, I think I'm good there. I'm actually I'm looking forward to seeing you know. Just more, more games. Just kind of see, as see, hope to see improvement as teams get more comfortable with, as the team gets more comfortable with the offensive and defensive schemes that Igor wants to run. So Friday's game, I'm really looking forward to that one. Don't no idea who they're playing, but I'm looking forward to it. Trailblazers, Paul. Trailblazers. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. no, a- a- absolutely, and and. Uh, we have to preach con- uh, con- confidence. Well, yes, confidence, but patience uh, in in this situation because we talked about it a few weeks ago with Devin Booker being out. How that could affect you know the, how how people get used to the system, how they learn the system, how they integrate themselves in the system. Uh, that just compounds the problem. But even if Booker was there, it's still 
a brand new system that the, the the team's trying to learn that's going to take a while to integrate so you know the suns won't hit that stride whatever that stride is until i think well into the into the regular season um but and when i say well i'm not saying like february march but november december uh, i think that's right. when hopefully we'll we'll start seeing them hit a stride so okay well let's move on last topic and paul I really have little to no interest in this, so <laughs> by all means, uh, please share your thoughts on this wonderful PayPal partnership that the Phoenix Suns have now signed. Well, as you mentioned, the Suns finally um, have joined the ranks of the uh, Jersey sponsorship. They have signed a deal with PayPal, which I, I learned also owns Venmo. I thought they were competitors. I preferred Venmo, but now apparently I'm using the same thing. Um, it almost feels like finding out Lyft is, is owned by Uber or something, you know, yes, which it's not, exactly. but I'm saying like, that's, that's no. the, that's the reaction, uh, that I think that would kind of elicit anyway, exactly. go on or Instagram being owned by Facebook, which is actually true. <laughs> well, it's, but, I see some, some differences there, but anyway, go on. Anyway. Um, so from everything I understand about this, uh, deal it's more than just a um jersey patch deal there's actually it's a partnership between the organizations in that they're trying to bring the services of paypal and venmo to um talking stick arena and also i think possibly to whatever stadium uh robert starber's soccer team is in in england because robert, this is a robert deal Sarver that, and steve nash and steve nash yes um, because this is a deal that encompasses both the or the Suns, the Mercury, and that team as well. Um, so it's definitely a little bit more complex than some of these other uh, jersey patch, jersey sponsorship deals that uh, other teams have gone into. Um, I, w- to be honest, I was kind of surprised that the Suns didn't have a jersey sponsorship last year, just because I ca- it just seemed like it was something. Don't in say it, Sarver's wheelhouse. Oh. That he some the kind of thing that he would jump on, so it was, I was kind of surprised. But then when I thought about it, like truly from a business standpoint, last season was probably not the best season to be signing that deal because you're signing it to an extent. The value of that deal is based on the quality of the team on the court, and the quality of the team on the court last year not so great. But then you go into this season, we've got a number one pick, we've got Booker signed to a long term extension, we. The Suns are on the upswing, so now we can they can get the deal where rather than being on going to hit the bottom to be on the upswing, we're on the upswing now officially, and you you can sell based on potential, which we couldn't really didn't really have as a selling point last year. So it made from that standpoint, it made sense that Sarver held held off on making a deal to get a patch to be in a more advantageous situation negotiate the best deal possible for the Suns. and there is your business 101 lesson from paul this week if you need to write a uh, paper for your college class feel free um yeah no i you, you know, can quote I, me I, cite I, me <laughs> cite flaming <laughs> flaming fanning the flames <laughs> podcast um, and if you do, please send us a screenshot. We want to put that on the Twitter account. One hundred percent. That will be the 
the the the banner photo on on the Twitter account, um, the seldomly used Twitter account. Uh, you you bring up a good point in terms of capitalizing on the ability to to market the fact that the Suns are on the upswing and things are starting to trend their way, and and I think that is probably why when you're looking at some of the other you know some of the other franchises have recognized businesses in those in those positions in terms of the advertising, um, but PayPal I think when I look at some of the other ones is, you know, amongst the, 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 the top quarter of the well-known businesses. It's, it's, it's obviously a daily term, a daily name, it, uh, it's something that people are very familiar with. And the sun's getting them, I think, again, is reflective on what you brought up. And that is they're on the uptick and, and, and the fact that they can integrate themselves into the arenas, I think is huge too. I mean, if I can Venmo to buy stuff at the sun shop, I feel like that's going to make it a lot easier for me to rationalize spending an absurd amount of money there like I have in the past. Right. And I mean, something I just thought of right now, it, it, it lends something to the power of the Suns as a marketable team, because when we, we talked about it before we started, of just kind of some of the other patches on some of the other um, teams and a lot of teams, we didn't get a rice they, company. We did not get a rice company. But um, went with things that were kind of local to their area, and because and I look at that from the standpoint of okay, they're not going to get a lot of national attention, and so what's the point for a national company to want to be in and getting that type of uh, you know putting in the money to get that type of sponsorship if they're really not going to be in front of a national audience that often. Whereas you see, like the Boston Celtics got GE, but like the Detroit Pistons got some company I've never heard of. That's I think probably local to a bank, maybe. Mm, to, I don't um, have it up like in the front Detroit of me. area. That sounds right. So, so from that, Orlando has Disney. Yeah, but that kind of, that makes sense for other reasons. Um. So PayPal, when if they're looking at the landscape of NBA teams and they want to buy one of these jersey patches, being choosing the Suns says something to me that a national, international company sees the Suns as a good market option for that adver- those advertising dollars beyond some of those other teams that were out there. And that tells me something about what hopefully uh, the Suns are in uh, the coming years. And and you know what all boils down to? You know what the ultimate conclusion of that all is, Paul? DeAndre Ayton's awesome. Well, besides that, Kevin Durant is signing with the Suns <laughs> next summer, right? There we go. All right. Well, I think we've hit everything. Any any. Final thoughts, any parting thoughts, my friend? I, I've called you my friend three times in this episode. I have no idea why. I'm quite sure in the nearly Everybody 20 years <laughs> we've known each other, I've never called you my friend, and I'm going to endeavor to never do it again. But anyway, asshole, anything else to add to this particular episode? <laughs> I think I'm good, douchebag. All right, perfect. Well, uh, like I said at the beginning, uh, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay Paul. 
at Dervish of World. And the podcast is at Fan the Flames NBA. If you listen on iTunes, rate, review, uh, let us know what you think. Leave a comment in the comment section, whatever tickles your fancy. And as we always say, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you guys listening. And until next time, depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or a good evening. Dino my. Just wanna get-